0: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast.
1: I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Steve Shriver is the serial entrepreneur behind brands and businesses like Bohemia, the Olympic Theater, SoCo, and more. Most recently, his lip balm and personal care products company, Ecolips, acquired Bugsoother. I talked to Steve about his entrepreneurial beginnings on the playground, how managing a McDonald's taught him to rely on systems, and how to make a business in a crowded category stand out. Steve also shares his thoughts on his process for creating a new business, focusing on the long play instead of the quick win, and how to integrate a new company after acquisition. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned.
0: This episode of Real Success with Nate Cading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, We've had plenty of great Business conversations over the years, and uh, have interacted, but I think it's a great opportunity to just kind of to take a step back and and chat a bit more about your overarching journey as a, as an entrepreneur and a and a business owner. Um, obviously, you've got tons of success not only with Ecolips, but several of the other small businesses that you've started up in Cedar Rapids. And I guess it, I, I'm just curious, was it? Was it always an itch that you were scratching? Even back, at, at, <laughs> I, I picture you like running a one lemonade stand on on one on one day. Then the next day, you're you're mowing lawns. Or I just picture a yeah young entrepreneurial Steve growing up. Was it something that's always in your blood?
0: Yep, yep, absolutely, Nate. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on your show, man. Um, I, I I love it. Um, and have a lot of respect for you and what you do. And um, but yeah, yeah. So I I knew so the word entrepreneur wasn't really that common when I was a kid. And even in my early years in business, it was sort of like it equated to kind of like a derelict, like you're trying to do your own thing and not mm-hmm. abiding by the, <laughs> the the guidelines of, you know, society. And so um, I always knew I wanted to be a business, a business person. You know, mm-hmm. I was always like dressing up, trying to dress up in suits. And I had a desk when I was like, you know, five years old. And I'm like, I, I you know, just scheming and figuring out how to, how to make a buck. Right. And yeah, so, uh, absolutely, man. Uh, my first sale was made, uh, it was like bubblegum on the playground and got in trouble for it. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, that was, that was the beginning of, of it all.
1: Did you, so you knew that right away, right? It was business and you know, early on in college, was it, were you studying a specific industry? I mean, you all, you know, always, uh, you know, sustainability and, um, you know, eco friendly, yeah. those sort of things are wo- a, a theme that's woven through your your professional business career. But like, what you know, going out of high school, going into college was was a specific industry that you were interested in, or was it again back to what you just said? Was it just more of an interest in business
0: in general? Since I knew, I mean, I was driven from day one to. And this is what's what's also challenging when somebody says, you know, how do you know if you're an entrepreneur? And it's like, I, you know, or you know, I, I. I always knew it it wasn't like something that switched in my brain so i actually um quit school when i was 16 moved out of the house i'm like okay i'm going to i got to get on with life i'm going to i'm going to get a full time job get my own place and just like go for it you know um i learned my i mean everything that i learned was just through experience so everything from working at mcdonald's to uh university camera in iowa city and just gaining as much experience as possible Wow, so, so you
1: quit, you quit yeah. high school at, at the age of 16.
0: Yeah, I sure did.
1: And oh. uh, <laughs> how about, how that conversation go? <laughs> at home.
0: It was, you know, I kind of just always did what I wanted to do. And my mom who raised me, uh, she taught me to believe in myself and that I was capable of doing whatever I wanted to do. And it was like it was the biggest, you know, the the greatest um uh foundation for being an entrepreneur because I, I was like filled with optimism and um and just belief that it, that anything was like yeah like I, why would I go to school if I don't enjoy it and I'm not getting anything out of it yeah. you know um I I did however uh my it really bugged my grandma that I dropped out of high school and so my uh so I went back to a, a program called project ready that allowed me it was for people that had full-time jobs okay. um And I went to to school for four hours a week and I got my diploma a bit late, but I did get my high school diploma. So grandma was proud.
1: That's awesome. Did your mom, was she a working mother as well? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yep. So she was a, um, uh, she was a secretary for most of my life uh, and, um, you know, admin assistant kind of thing. And she raised us on, as far as I know, about $13,000 a year back in the, you know, 70s and 80s. So, wow. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, I mean, we had a great, great, great upbringing. I always knew that I wanted, I mean, I, I wanted to make more money than that. Not that that yeah. would imme- immediately equate to happiness, but I was like, okay, cool. This is, she's given us good stuff, but I want to, I want to, I want to do as much as I can beyond that. Sure.
1: So you, you dove right in and you're in your late teens into, into the, into private industry and working various jobs. Was there one that really caught your attention early on? One of those First, first uh, job that you had. Yeah, I team. mean,
0: I, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm gonna say this, man. McDonald's was the the, the greatest experience for me because uh, I learned uh, I learned how you know to rely on systems instead of people, and you know to really, um, I mean, working. I I worked my way up in a, as a manager at McDonald's, and it was like I did everything from I did the maintenance you know, shift, because yeah. to do that, you have to, you have to work front, you have to work the back, you have to work maintenance, you have to count money. And so it was, I mean, it was a great experience uh, at McDonald's.
1: And how, what ages were you there? How long did you work at? You uh, probably
0: 15 to 17.
1: Okay. And then when, when yeah. was the, when was the transition out? What was the next, the next job after? Um,
0: I mean, I, so I've, you know, always worked, you know, um, from, you know, 14 bus and tables. So uh, eventually, I mean, you know, delivering appliances, um, Mm -hmm. selling knives through Cutco. I mean, it's also like the survival aspect to my life, you know, like (laughs) trying to pay the bills Um, and eventually landed back in Iowa city, which is my birthplace too. Uh, And uh, as my friends went to college, I ended up in Iowa city and that really just opened my eyes to you know, meeting people from around the world and, and different cultures and uh, working at University Camera, yeah, which led me to working at Active Endeavors. And then that, because of, uh, you know, I mean, again, like my experience, work ethic, and then a good, um, you know, uh, uh, manager, owner there, Mark Weaver, um, gave me an opportunity for ownership. So that's when I, uh, you know, got my first taste of real, uh, you know, business ownership.
1: What traits did you observe in, in Mark and Edie as owners of Active Endeavors, and or the owner over at University Camera? What what traits did you admire? Did you learn from from small business ownership that you try to apply today with the businesses that you own?
0: Yeah, I mean, the so the thing that I learned from Mark and Edie, which I love, and it, it is that Mark said to me one time, he was like, "If you you have to take advantage when times are good, go do fun things." because you're definitely not going to do that when times are bad, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs. Yep. And, and so, you know, when, when times are good uh, make sure that you're enjoying it because, you know, otherwise you're just not going to do it. So uh, I live by that. Um, That's good. advice. Yeah. Yeah. And then other than that, it's really just, I mean, I mean, man, being relevant and taking care of the customer. It's like, you know, whether uh, it's Roger Christian over at university camera or Mark and Edie, it's just, it's all, it's all about the customer, making sure the customer's satisfied no matter what industry you're in.
1: And then you mentioned Mark at active endeavors allowed you to, to buy into the company or you you earned some equity. Um, was there a, a big break soon after that, that really kind of launched your career forward as, a, as yeah. a business owner?
0: Yeah, it was, um, meeting this beautiful young lady that had a lip balm recipe <laughs> and, uh, and, and $5,000 in the bank. So she, she, uh, my wife, Andrea, you know, gave me a lip balm and and literally, you know, within a year after hanging out with her, I'm like, I'm like, I think we can, well, I, I kind of fell in love with her and the lip balm all at the same time. Nice. And I'm like, you know, i just remember holding it in my hand. I'm like, I think we can, I could sell this. I'm pretty sure I could sell this. And, uh, yeah. And that was it. And then because of that, you know, that, uh, light bulb going off uh, i quit uh you know i quit active endeavors sold back my equity and um and just went started going door to door to businesses selling our special blend of lip balm
1: take us back there because obviously eco lips is a huge part of, of your story um at the beginning but you know how do you how do you make lip balm and how do you how do you go about selling <laughs> it's one of those things that we we just kind of pick up you know uh you know like capstick right. <laughs> or something at the store but like talk talk a bit about just some of that process and your learning curve with the yeah. with the new product i think that's one of the things i admire about your career is that like i said there's obviously some common themes that are woven through but you're able to kind of take that and apply it whether it's bruhimi the coffee shop or soko or or Ecolips, obviously and um, you know and m- move in and out of different industries i guess um, talk a bit about it, your, we, your logic there
0: yeah, when you take, so lip balm is super simple. Anybody can make it. We're talking beeswax or a wax and an oil, put it on the stovetop. Um, we took that from, you know, from filling little lip balm containers with turkey, ba- turkey basters to uh, taking them, you know, to now we, we fill uh, oh, 50,000 units an hour with automation. Um, and so when you go through that process, um, you know, you, it's, it's all about problem solving and just, uh, you know, figuring out, um, scalability and, and all the, 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 I guess all the challenges that come along with it. So I'm like, man, if I could, if I can do that, I can do anything. Right. Um, so it's also shows me that, I mean, it's, it's like taught me that, uh, you can enter a market again, like lip balm, anybody can make it. People should make their own lip balm, but, You know, there's a you got your DIY people that are gonna that are gonna make their own stuff, and most people just don't. Yeah. Um, but you, it's like we entered a market that was saturated. There's already enough lip balms out there, there doesn't need to be another one, but we created a niche that is, and we became, you know, we were the first organic lip balm, uh, to be launched in 2003. And, uh, and we, you know, more fair trade, non GMO, um, you know, no animal testing, the leapy, leaping bunny. And uh, we figured out a way to be relevant to consumers in a changing market.
1: So you, you and your girlfriend create this uh, new recipe, so to speak, and you're hitting on, you know, at the right time in terms of organic, you know, button up against, you know, like you said, creating a new market. You're going door to door selling this stuff. Was there a point in time? Can you remember? Was it a certain customer or a sell a that you hit at a certain period of time? Where You're like, man, we might be on something big here or was it just kind of more of a slow, a slow trans, uh, transition?
0: Yeah. I I mean, this is the, it's a great question because the reality is, you know, you think about from 2003 until 2021 and we really didn't start hitting our stride until, uh, about four, four years ago. So, um, (laughs) it was a long, hard journey. I would say that every, you know, I mean, it's like, just the the words that come to mind are resilience and, uh, and pers- persistence. Uh, I'd say every year we, we might make a, make a win or two, uh, you know, make a, you know, whole foods at one time was our biggest customer and that was amazing and everything's great. Um, and, but then, uh, you know, they get, they get bought or they start having problems internally. And then we, you know, we lose out on our great relationship with them and then we got to earn it. You know, then it's like all high is great, okay. You know, and then, uh, but we lose uh, an international customer or something. So it's it was it's been a wild wild ride. Um, there really wasn't one big pivotal moment, it, it, and which is not exciting at all, right? It's, <laughs> but it's it's the it also is the practice of sustainability. It's like you know the biggest failures that I see are people that that have huge success right out of the gate or overnight out of nowhere and it's like man how do you deal with that and and maintain it and when you build something i'm always like start small think big you start small get your first sale you know get your first hundred thousand dollars in sales get your first million in sales then get your first five you know and then keep growing that thing that's my strategy
1: yeah that's that's great great insight i think especially in today's culture where you know a lot of these companies are started you know Pre-revenue, and they, you know, have these big ideas, and they're just trying to build something, and hopefully a big exit, you know, five, yep. five plus years down the line. It's that's easy to lose sight of how important that kind of incremental growth is, and that sustainability. That's a great, yeah, uh, a great, great observation. So, where along the line were you always kind of constantly looking out beyond Ecolips for new and different business opportunities, or did those just sort of pop up? randomly and you, you consider yourself more kind of opportunistic and taking advantage
0: of those. Yeah. Um, I have always been, even during the early years, it's like, we'd try, you know, we, we would always try new things like within Ecolips, like, you know, distributing, um, we, we distributed organic foods for a little bit and just dabbled in other stuff that we thought could, um, you know, could propel the industry. And so, I've always been looking for other opportunities and I've had other, you know, business ideas come and go during that, uh, you know, during the last 20 years. Um, but it really, uh, once we started, uh, you know, once we had enough success, I was, I was really able to start spending time and really, um, you know, cultivating and cur- curating other businesses that I thought were much needed in the community. And I thought they would serve initially with Bohemia. It was, mm-hmm. you know, to serve the, you know, our employees, it was right out our back door and it was like, Hey, let's, let's have this great coffee shop cafe that can, yeah. and serve our employees and the community. And, uh, and so it's really once Eclipse reached a point that I could, you know, sort of branch out and start doing other stuff. That's uh, which was about 2013, where I was able to spend a little bit of time in other places and that's when I started, you know, so now we've got Bohemia. Uh, we've got Soco Outfitters. We're the only Patagonia dealer and in independently owned uh, camping store in Cedar Rapids, hiking, camping, all that. We've got a 10,000 square foot event venue called the Olympic Southside Theater. Um, and I have, and we just recently acquired Bug Soother, which is the eighth yeah. top selling bug repellent company in a uh, bug repellent brand in the country.
1: It's awesome. I definitely want to get, get to that too. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Amazing portfolio. And so,
0: right. And there's other stuff that, I mean, we just, uh, I, I, I also the CEO of this, uh, electrical outlet business, it's a patented electrical outlet. We just signed a 10 year licensing agreement with the technology on that. So I'm, I'm, I, I love, I love new things. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I love about what you're saying here, you know, back to Bohemian how that came to be in which, which is, uh, trait that I think is great of, of all entrepreneurs and folks that are able to start businesses is this unique ability to be observant and, and understand, you know, the the market that you're operating in. And you had mentioned, you know, you were looking around the Nubo area and Sea Rapids in general and just sort of observed the need um, for, yeah. for that kind of offering. Talk a bit, is there a, a science or a process or a method that you yeah. have in terms of, 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 you know, coming to new business ideas or observing a, a need or a want in the marketplace. Talk a bit about like how you, you know, is that something that's structured or is it just kind of pop up out of thin air?
0: A lot of it starts anecdotal, like, man, it'd be great if there was a, you know, an outdoor store here, you know. Um, and then it's also just like the community need. Um, but I do go through this process and I learned it, you know, early on at Ecolips, working with different marketing agencies and just basically sort of whiteboarding out, you know, the, you know, a couple, you know, the market and and it's, it's all about competitive. It's really about competitive landscape. And so um, I'll I'll get a whiteboard out and just draw up all my competitors and where they stand with what they're doing and then how they're serving the customers and how they're all differentiated. And then um, really look for the white space within that grid. And a lot of, in, in a lot, I mean, a lot of times there's pretty big gaps in that white space um, or in that on the on the competitive scope where a lot of comp- a lot of people are competing for the same customers over and over and over and you know we just try to be a little bit different um, you know uh, whether it's EcoLips you know with all the third party seals like I said the fair trade organic non GMO the mm-hmm. certified B, B corporation um, uh, or you know Bohemia is an interesting example we we were the first now we we did purchase a previously owned coffee shop that was fledgling and rebranded it and, uh, you know, built it up. But, uh, but it was, it, it was the first third wave coffee shop in Cedar Rapids where we were taking coffee to the level of, you know, of yeah, microbrew right. and connoisseur, you know, you, you, you sampled, you, yeah, yeah. you did the flight. And, uh, and so, uh, with that, interestingly enough, we created a coffee scene and now we've had four, maybe five, previous employees open up competing coffee shops, like within a mile. (laughs) (laughs) So see how that works, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) But we had, we have a great coffee scene because we, you know, we took the leap in really building, um, you know, building the community around it. And that's what, so community is something that pops up over and over and over. Sure. You know, uh, with every business that, that we have.
1: That's great. And you guys, you had mentioned it, but Ecolips had a really impressive acquisition of bug soother a couple of years ago talk us through just sort of the yeah. you know how the deal came together with some learning from that advice about i mean that was that was not a any small feat it, it, it's great yeah. brand recognition like you mentioned eighth, eighth largest bug repellent in the in the in the united states um talk a bit about how that came together how you guys met what what was the Yeah, the dance, the dance, like, you know, the negotiation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, you know, this is another thing where uh, I sort of planted the seeds So Frida and I were sitting uh, on the Entrepreneurial Development Center. Uh, We had lunch once a month for consumer packaged goods founders group and um, really fascinating different people that have packaged goods that they sell and we just get together and talk through it. Mm -hmm. And so probably five years ago, Um, I, I said to Frida, Hey, if you ever need any help, you know, with anything or with manufacturing or, Hey, if you ever want to, you know, do you ever want to pass the company on to somebody, um, you know, let me know I'm interested. And so, you know, every year I'd check in, I mean, I sort of plant that seed again. And then uh, a couple of years ago, we started talking a little more serious about it. And, uh, and then, so this is, I mean, again, it's like you, this is where I looking back, I really, really look at long, this, it's always the long play. Like I don't do anything for the the quick win or anything like that. It's always like the long play. Um, so literally working on that for five years, two years, really hard. And then one year of massive due diligence and everything else. And, uh, and so what, yeah, so we finally came to terms. Um, it was a very Uh, You know, actually my podcast, we go through a lot of the details of it, um, the Steve Shriver podcast, Uh, but we have a special episode on that, but it was very traditional in one sense. Um, I think what I learned from it, uh, it could, because it's really hard not to get emotionally involved in, Mm -hmm. you know, from the buyer perspective, the seller perspective, we did not have a broker involved in the process and it's like, man, yeah, I, I really, really really wish we had. Um, and, and I just want something I'd highly recommend somebody that's, uh, looking at an exit or a purchase, find a broker yeah, that, that and
1: third party kind of facilitator, someone to both to lean on. That's certainly helpful. Right. <laughs> in, my, in my experience as well. Absolutely.
0: And the more money that's involved, the the more important I think that is. And it's like, yeah, you got to give some up. Somebody's going to have to give some up, but it will it, possibly, you know, uh, pay dividends and and actually the problem is that like our deal almost fell through multiple multiple times sure and and it's like and uh thankfully it didn't and Frieda and I are still friends and everything's great but um that would it it, you have a a, I think a less lesser chance of it falling apart
1: what um, you mentioned the broker is a, a key element to make a successful sort of merger or acquisition. Talk a bit about the integration of bugs through their post acquisition. What what makes a successful integration for anybody out there that's that may be listening that yeah that owns a business looking to buy a new company and bring it on board or whatever that might look like? How does that how has that gone? How is how have you transitioned some of the key employees and brought that into into the the system? It's pretty,
0: right, it's, it's pretty, (laughs) pretty complicated. Um, But, you know, basically, we kind of, we kind of, first of all, communication is key across the board, communicate, communicate, communicate. And, um, and so from from the top executives, uh, down to the the line, you know, production line, uh, team lead, it's all about making sure that everybody knows what's going on at all times. So we still have a team of people down in Columbus Junction uh, producing product and um, and so it was I'd say you know it's like what we did was just break it up departmentally and and it was just like having another product um, yeah. in, under our under our mix and it's like if you know if you know packaging is in charge of packaging lip balm you're now in charge of figuring out the packaging process for bug soother and integrating that into your system and when you have you know we've got over 100 employees that ha- a lot of them have been there a long time sure uh, we have a, we have a great team of people that literally we d- it was although it's pretty stressful we did such a great job with this acquisition integration mm-hmm. um that i'm like all right what's next what do we do like, okay let's uh, get going <laughs> everybody's, yeah. everybody's like whoa let's let the dust settle on this um, but I really think it's just looking at it departmentally and, uh, and having the right people in place. Um, everything from the, from the, you know, accounting team down to the production line.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. What a, what a great Iowa company and it's cool to see it come under, come under, uh, you and you and your team's, uh, guidance and look forward to watching that progress and, <clears throat> and all the thank you from that. So looking, looking out into the future, are we, to expect, uh, you know, a street, Steve Shriver, when he's 80, walking around in a, in a cane or, you know, through Cedar Rapids, still buying businesses, <laughs> starting businesses. I mean, when do you, uh, has it come across your mind? Like, you know, what's, what's the end game? When, when does uh, you talk a lot about the journey or, you know, is yeah. there a certain number of different businesses or revenue, or is it, it's not about right. the numbers. It's just where the path takes you. And have you thought much about like, you know, what the, what the big picture goal is for you or where, where you just kind of stop acquiring and building and starting new things and just focus on operating what's there?
0: Right, uh, man.
1: The big question, I know. Sorry to put that, you on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, like I'm, everything's going to my head right now. I'm like, oh my God, I need some therapy, dude. Because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> um, I'm going to keep doing it until it's not fun anymore. Yep. You know, I'm going to keep doing this until... It's uh, it's not enjoyable. Um. Or or I or I fail. Like if I have a major failure that just you know cra- crashes me or puts a big dent in my success. I, I mean I'm not gonna say I'm like gonna run from failure, but it's like okay okay that's cool. It was a good run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You well, know. <laughs> I'm yeah. For sure. Um. But I will say this. Like I am definitely transitioning more. I mean I always went. Um. I my my goal has always been to work myself out of. The job, so like I work in the businesses for a while, and then work myself out of it to be more of an absentee owner, and then I can just work on whether it's triage or business development or strategy. Um, and so uh, I, I'm definitely uh, starting to, you know, step back even further from these businesses, uh, and which gives me also time to look at other opportunities, um, yeah. which is a little bit scary, but. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just sort of naturally evolving into into me it's sort of uh, having a soft landing after all this stuff. I'm not sure that I really want to do anything bigger than eco like EcoLips has become. Yeah, it's pretty- a monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm good, man. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't really plan to sell it anytime soon. We we create sustainable jobs and um and products. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah. So let's. I mean, the Wall Street Journal is doing a, an article on you in year 2035 and, you know, successful professional career writing about all that you've accomplished. Like, what do you want the main themes of that that article to be? What do you want people to, to say about you, yeah. you know, in the fourth quarter of your professional career as they're looking back on it in its entirety?
0: I think, um, you know, it's like he was a risk taker, but practiced business enough to mitigate the risk. And he gave as much as he possibly could throughout the process of his career. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I think it's going to be like I've started or owned or ran dozens of businesses. I mean, right now it's probably 15. So I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, it's just the the, the classic typical serial entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's great. It's certainly a rich, rich career that you've been building on a bunch of different facets and you talked a bit about before we get into our rapid fire questions, you know, the advice that Mark Weber gave to you yeah. back at active endeavors about, Hey, when the when things are going good, take some time and get away. And I know, you know, adventure and the outdoors and, and all those things are, you know, a big part of your life. Talk a bit about that kind of work life balance and what, what the outdoors and nature and your time out there means to you personally. And then also how, how has that impacted, your business. I know they're both sort of interwoven together.
0: Right. So, um, let's see here. I, I like to say work-life integration because I really don't believe that there is balance possible in, in the startup and entrepreneur's life. Yeah. Um, I think I can, I think this is interesting back to that previous question. I think I'm finally starting to find a balance, but it's because I'm not, you know, working 14 hours a day anymore. Um, so work-life balance, I mean, it, again, it's like, and, I, and it is imbalanced. Like when I'm working, I, I, I'm working, I'm working, you know, what 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or, or later. And um, when I'm playing, I'm playing hard and I'm out and I might detach and I, mean, I might go off the grid for three weeks at a time. So I think that it's just doing the best you can when you are where you are. So um, yeah, just work hard and play hard. Give me
1: your, your best outdoor adventure you've done in the last five years and then give me the one in, that you're going to do in the next three years. It's on your bucket list you already have in your sites that you're going to knock out. I mean, I know you've been, I yeah. you know, follow your blog and seen some of your stuff and I know SoCo, SoCo is getting into hosting, um, you know, kind of curated guided trips around the country and the world. Like what's, yeah? you know, what, what's one of your favorites that you've done in the last few years and like, what, what are you going to check off the list here soon that you're most pumped about?
0: man oh man okay i mean the one that's top of mind right now is we just you know three months ago just did larky pass which is a a trek in nepal that feels like a mountaineering expedition and uh it goes up to uh let's see here seventeen thousand feet and uh and it's just this beautiful mountain hike in the himalayas yeah um and that was just that was just recent um but and so i'm gonna say that this Himalayan trekking. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll be going to Patagonia, Southern, the Southern tip of Chile in January.
1: First time or have you been there before?
0: Yeah. I've been to Argentina and well, I've been to Chile twice, but not to, not this far South. Okay. I've been up in the, in the Andes region up there, but, or down there, but not, not all the way down into Patagonia. So that is a trip that I've been wanting to take for literally 20 years and finally get to do that who are you going with on that trip that particular one is a it is a local trip with uh that we're doing through soco um and that's kind of the the other cool thing about blending so there's a little bit of you know blending the the lifestyle with the business um and destinations unlimited organized a trip for us and a bunch of partners with soco and some customers that's awesome. Yeah,
1: I'm jealous, man. That sounds like an amazing, right. amazing
0: trip. Have you been down there?
1: I have not. No, it's definitely on my bucket
0: list too. Yeah. Sure. It's a beautiful,
1: beautiful area. Well, that's great. Uh, as you know, we like to wrap up these interviews with some quick questions um, just to kind of get a little different glimpse into you and sure. your outlook on life. Uh, how much of your success, Steve, would you contribute to luck versus hard work?
0: I don't believe in luck. Uh, <laughs> Or, or I like to say, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, it's it's hard work, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if given the chance, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? I'm gonna re- I'm gonna reframe this for you. If you if Steve Shriver had to get into a nine to five job, you know one yeah. one career path, um, what would it? You know, not business owner. You know, not a new business. But like, what, what, yeah. would, what would be that one career you would pick?
0: I, I would, I want to be a radio DJ.
1: <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. What's, what, what state? What are we talking? We're we talking country, classical, just a, just an uh, eclectic mix. Yeah. Or? I'd
0: probably, I mean, you know, I'd probably do, well, there's a little bit of me that wants to do like a talk radio show. So maybe, maybe uh, talk radio and, and I, I'm going to go uh, jam, jam rock.
1: Nice. Love yeah. Uh, I'm a business leader. Is there someone that you've followed throughout your career or someone recently that's really piqued your interest that you look up to?
0: I, I, I uh, Let's see here. Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia yeah. is the one I refer to all the time that um, I look up to a lot.
1: That's a certainly on the Mount Rushmore, no doubt about it there. Right. Uh, podcast or TV show, is there a particular series or show that you've been paying attention to more than others lately?
0: I, I limit the amount of consumption I have with, with a lot of media, including podcasts. I don't listen to a ton of them. Uh, so I'm going to say like, I like shark tank and the office.
1: Yeah. It's too classic for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: well, Motivational quote. Is there something, you know, you put up at the various businesses you're involved with or that you use, you find yourself using more than others?
0: My grandpa Shriver used to send me letters, and uh, and um, he had a stamp, a custom stamp made that he would stamp every letter with on the back, and it said "Communicate or deteriorate."
1: I like it. Thirty extra minutes in a day, what would you do with
0: it? I'd probably work out. I've, yeah, that's the one thing that I've let go a little bit. So I, I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out I got thirty extra minutes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, how About a business book. I mean, I I, I read a lot of business books that's pretty much the only kind of book i read and i still go back to um the e-myth by michael gerber yeah is the the book that changed my life and and it's like you just follow that and you have a higher chance of succeeding that's
1: great and then last but not least um in one sentence how do you define success
0: being who you want to be and doing what you want to do
1: that's great I love it. Thanks so much, man, for taking the time. Thank you. Uh, look forward to watching all the great things that you continue to do in your career, and and also all of them benefit the the corridor community as well. So thanks for all you do, and uh, look forward to catching up
0: soon. Thank you so much, Nate. You bet. This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.